progress. So, you know, Tuesday nights, I, I try to jot down, um, try to jot down some of the shilas that I got this week. So, the first one I got was an interesting one, and it's the Paiskim discuss, and it's it's not the, not controversial, but it's it's interesting, and it's it brings to a lot of topics. So the Shiloh was someone asked me again. I like to do is I'm gonna. I'll do it in segments, and then at the end, we could always take questions. It's just a little easier for my mind, especially I'm pretty tired right now, so I don't want to lose too much. Someone asked me, is it a problem for someone to daven for a non-Jew to have Rafu Shalem? That was the Shaila that I got yesterday. Interesting Shad. So, the Paiskim, so we'll talk, again, this, the short answer is it's fine. <laughs> okay, but let's just get that out of the way. But, then let's sort of take a step back and sort of analyze the Shaila. The Shaila is actually, I saw that the Zakin Aaron and the Beisharim, they were actually asked, Ravan Walken uh, from Europe, they were actually asked a two-part Shaila. Number one, is it a problem to daven for a non-Jew to have a Rufu Okay. And number two, which is even more interesting, what about saying Kaddish for someone who's not Jewish? Now, a couple things. Now, we'll get to the Kaddish in a second. Now, you'll say, well, why would that come up? So, it actually could come up very, very easily with a convert. <laughs> a convert has parents who are not Jewish, and they pass away, and he's compelled, he'd like to say Kaddish. But we'll get to the Kaddish in a second. Let's, before we get there, let's just talk about um, the Rufu Shalema. Now, the reason why... Okay, so the practical halacha is that it's fine, but let me explain where the Shaila is coming from. The Shaila is coming from as follows. The Paiskim, there's a, let me read you a Shulchan Aruch. Now, this probably should not be recorded because this is the type of stuff that, the Shulchan Aruch writes like this, is in Ches, Sif Aleph. The truth is not really worried. I mean, who's going to listen to me? It's interesting. It's a halacha share, but it's like, where's it? if you're listening, Mustama, you, you, you believe in what we're doing. <laughs> it's actually interesting. Rav Shechter, and the Times had gotten in trouble because he would give a halacha shir, but he's the dean of a university. <laughs> so you say things that are like in Shulchan Aruch, but as the dean, we live in a world. So this is not, I just want to make, you know, I'll make this as, as politically correct and as clear as I can. The Shulchan Aruch writes, if someone is, which we'll have to define in a second, you're not really supposed to save them because you're really not supposed to. Uh, heal them now in Loib Makameva. So, so ha, <laughs> what do you mean? The doctors are going to go out of business. The answer is Ava. Ava means like this. Well, why is it that a doctor potentially um, is allowed, let's say you have a doctor who's working on Shabbos, he's in the emergency room, and there's a non Jew that, that, that comes in. How is he allowed to be Machal Shabbos potentially to save them? It's because Ava. Ava means that it'll cause a pogrom. Very simple. If, if, if non-Jews find out that Jews are not saving them, then they're not going to save us. So that's the massive heter. But conceptually, we, it's not something that we just actively just try to save people that are Ovid Avedizar. Now, the reason being is because if you're Ovid Avedizar, you don't keep the Shev Mitzvah Benin Oyech, so you don't, uh, it's like a, it's sort of their version of a Russia. So it's just interesting. There's a very broad Shaila, and that is is Christianity meaning this is something that a lot of people don't understand 
for Jews, it's definitely Avetazar. There's no Shiloh. If a Jew is uh, faced with Christianity or, or death, it's Avet Avetazar, Mamish, for a Yid, it's Avetazar. The Shiloh amongst the Rishonim, there were Rishonim that asked the Shiloh, and that is non Jews, part of their Sheva Mitzvah B'nai Noyach is to believe in God. Is Christianity a fulfillment of that belief for them? Now, the topic does not interest me at all, and we're in a shul, I'm not going to go into it, but part of it has to do with their version of, it's called Shittuf, and that is they believe Kaddish Baruch Hu, Chas v'shalom, comes in different forms, and it's a lack of Yichud Hashem. So, there is a Shaila amongst the Paiskim, meaning, before you analyze the Shaila, you have to figure out, are Christians Oiv De'avay Because if they're not Oiv De'avay meaning, if it's a fulfillment of the Sheva Mitzvah in their belief, then there's no Shaila at all. You'd be allowed to heal them medically. You'd be allowed to daven for them. There's no Shaila. If it is Avay Dezar, then we have to analyze what's the halach about davening for them when there's no Eva, when there's no concern of Chil Lashem and Pogrom. So the Ramah writes in Arachayim, Simen Kuf Nun Vav, V'yesh ma'kilim ba'asiyah shut v'sim akutim b'zman hazeh, m'shem e'n akutim b'zman nishbam l'avay dezichavim, m'shatvim shem shemayin davar achar, v'loi matzin nishayazim l'ifnei v'loi sitim eshel, e'n muzhar ma'lashitav. The Ramah held Christianity is not Avodah for Goyim. That's the Ramah Shita. Now, the Neid Behuda disagrees, and the truth is, it's actually interesting, I learn every morning after Daf, I learn with Mr. Hach. Uh, Mr. Hach has a Svarim collection, if, if you're ever interested, I'll take it to fascinating. He has a very interesting Svarim collection, and he has a Rambam. He has a first edition Rambam of Hilchas Avodah The Rambam in Hilchas Avodah Perik Tes Halacha Dalid, writes as follows. He disagrees. Now, why doesn't anybody quote this Ramam? The reason is, he'll show you in that edition, it's censored. There is a black mark across the top. The Christians took it out. Uh, we found earlier manuscripts and brought it back, but it was taken out. So, okay, so it's a Shaila in the Rishoyinim, it's a Shaila in the But the truth is, this is more of academic because it doesn't really practically affect our shaila because we're not talking about medically healing them, we're talking about davening. And the truth is, the Chuvas Be'i Sha'arim writes in Yeredeya Simen Rish Chavtes, V'adai d'lei ma'ilin dafka alav yadayim, avol sivav halamotur. Says the Be'i Sha'arim, davening is not considered an action on your part, you're putting it in the hands of Hashem. If Hashem wants to save these people, He will. And if not, not. So you're absolutely allowed to daven. So to address the first shaila, we took a little sivuv, but to address the first shaila, are you allowed to daven for someone who's not Jewish, for them to get better? Of course, absolutely. And by the way, tzaddikim did it all the time. Tzaddikim did it all the time. Not, I'm not just talking about the Lubavitcher recently, but the shaila karistir, there's constant. They had goyim would go, the rambam, goyim would go to them and, and ask for a blessing, and they would give brachas. Historically, it was definitely something that was done. Now, the question that's really interesting, and that is Kaddish. So, before we get into Kaddish, I want to I quote you, uh, this is a very, very famous medrash, but for anyone who's listening to this, and these shiurim, people do listen to them, on the recordings, uh, people may not know the source of Kaddish, and it's a very, very fascinating medrash. Let me just read it to you. It's brought down in Maseches Kala Rabasi Perik Beis, but it's quoted in full in the Sefer Machzer Vitri. Machzer Vitri was one of the great Rishonim, he was a Talmud of Rashi, and he wrote a Siddur 
based on the Nuschos of Rashi. His name was Vitri, and he wrote a Machzer, Machzer Vitri. And you could find it in Svarim stores. And he writes over there in Chelek Aleph Semikuf Memdal. This is what he records. This is the source of a child saying Kaddish for a parent. The, it's just a fascinating Medrash. The Medrash goes like this. Maise Bravakiva. Rav Akiva was sitting in the desert reviewing his Torah and being misbided and uh, uh, what do you call it uh, uh, what do you call it sitting and thinking and uh, leaving this world a little bit as he's thinking in the desert he sees a man Orum that was not dressed a, not, a, a naked man and he's black like, like a coal running like a horse, carrying wood on his shoulders. This is what Rav Akiva sees. This man running towards him, carrying wood, naked and black, and, like with soot. So Gozler Rav Akiva Rav Akiva was geyser. He said, stop. He, he stopped the person. So Rav Akiva says, what's going on? That person said, the truth is I'm not alive. And every day, my punishment for my great sins is I chop down wood and I'm burnt in the wood. Whatever that means for a soul. So Rabbi Kiva said, why? What did you do? He says, I went against everything in the Torah. So Rabbi Kiva, Rabbi Kiva says, Did you ever hear an angel that's in charge of you say, Have you ever heard an angel give you an Eitzah? Have you ever heard something that they, they would say, like some sort of Eitzah to get you out of this? So Amr Lai Shamati Shaim Oimrim, he said, I heard the angels say that they said once, ben He said, I heard that they said, Chaval, if only this person had a son who would say Kaddish, and get an Aliyah, which by the way, a lot of shuls will get to, Al Agav, it's brought down in the Ramah. It's not such a practical thing just because it's hard when you're giving out aliyahs, but this, the same source of saying Kaddish is to get mafter. It's to get an aliyah. To give an oval aliyah during the year. It's just, it's not an easy thing practically as someone who runs a shul to give the same person every week. It's, it's not an easy thing. I was in a shul once uh, where they gave one person an aliyah, came out every week, and it creates a, a um, uh, you know, I, that person was more of an, a wealthier person in the shul, but it, it, it's not the, you know, it, it creates a problem uh, practically. But, but he said, I heard the angel say that if, my, if I had a son who said Kaddish and got an aliyah, Baruch Hashem Vayrach, Vakal and if the shul would answer Yehesh Rabba, meaning being Chazen, Baruch Hashem Vayrach, Miyad I'll be out. I, I wouldn't be punished anymore. Oh, so Shalai Sarav Kiva. Rav says, where do you live? Where's your family from? Rav Akiva goes, finds this son who had not had a bris milah. He was an adult son who had not had a bris milah. That's how far this family was. Rav Akiva circumcised him himself. And Rav Akiva sat the kid down to try to teach him Torah, to be able to say, Kaddish, Chazen. He was refusing or it wasn't working. 
So it's interesting. Rav Akiva davened for 40 days and he fasted for 40 days for the kid, for Hashem to help him to have Siyat Deshmaya. Which, by the way, just Agav, there's a lot of like Hashkafa in this, that Rav Shach was a very famous Maisa, that they once came to Rav Shach, that they wanted to kick a kid out of Yeshiva. And Rav Shach said, Okay, I heard what, you, the kid, what the kid did is worthy of being kicked out of Yeshiva, but what's his Hebrew name? What's his mother's name? So he said, I don't know his mother's name. So Rav Shach said, you have a kid who's about to be kicked out of Yeshiva and you never daven for him. So Rav Akiva davened for 40 days and fasted for 40 days. Until Baskal said to Rav Akiva, it's accepted. You could now teach him it's going gonna, it's gonna to work. He went, he taught him, Bechaz HaMazin, Kriyishma, the basics of Yiddishkeit. Hamidu Teichakov, or Mekadish, the kids started saying Kaddish, Baruch Hashem and Vayroch, the Bichazin, Onu HaKol Achorov, Boise Shatiris Ames, Vepachum and Aperonius. At that moment, they released the, ne- the Nifter from punishment. Ubalu Rav Akiva Bechaloim, and the Nifter came to Rav Akiva in a dream, Vaomerloi, Rebbe, Tanuach Daitcha Beganeidin, Kashem Shenachtis Daitiv, Silosim Edina Shekhanim. You should have peace in Ganeidin the same way you protected me from Gehenim. Now, it's, it's interesting. This is the source, by the way, of a child saying Kaddish. The Zohar Chodesh brings down it slightly different and adds saying Maftir. That's what it's brought down. By the way, there's a lot of things you can learn from this Maisa. It also, it's, by the way, it shows you, I think Rechaim Shalavis points this out, Rav Akiva could have said Kaddish himself. But there's, there's an Indian to have the child do it, more so than others, and it has halachic ramifications. Now, that's the source of Kaddish. Now, you see from this Indian, and the place can bring this down, the Chida writes this, or Kivega writes this, that Kaddish Yosem is a form of Kivar Ve'em. It's a form of fulfilling Kivar Ve'em by protecting your parents, by being Mechavit your parents. So the Shaila is, is a convert able to say Kaddish? Could he, should he, is he obligated to say Kaddish for a parent who's not Jewish? Now, I'll, I'll say it like this. The Zakin Arin, who was Rav Aaron Walken, he was the, one of the Rabbanim, of, one of the Rashivs of Chachmei Leblin. He has a tshuva about it. He starts off by saying, in his opinion, he definitely could say Kaddish. Well, he'll, he'll tweak it in the end. He says he could say Kaddish, because what does it hurt to say Kaddish? You have to also realize, it changes now that we're not by, uh, by uh, straight Ashkenazim. Um, this is just, I'm sure, you know, this is uh, more your department, but... No, 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 this is, this is his grandfather. From Chachmei Leblin, yeah, the, 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 his his grandfather in Chachmei Leblin, yeah, name namesake actually. So th- th- there's a there's a major distinction between um, real like Germanic Yekusha. They had one person saying Kaddish. That was the Schos of the Tzibar. and that was why there was a whole Shaila in the Shulchan Aruch and in the Paiskim of you have two people to say Kaddish who has Kadima, because there was one person who said Kaddish and, and other people don't necessarily have the ability to like take that away from him. Nowadays, in most places. Everyone's saying Kaddish that wants to say Kaddish, so it's not as big of a deal. But says Ravarn, says the Zakinar, he could say Kaddish if he chooses to. The question is, is he obligated? Now, this is just Aga, this is very interesting. The rule is, anytime someone converts, it's called Shalayoim Rubonim Kedusha Hamur Kedusha Kal, which means that when someone converts, technically, he should be allowed to marry his mother, right? It's a crazy thing. Let's say someone converts and his mother converts. So technically, he should be able to marry his mother. They're not related. It says the Gemara Nivamis, there's an Issa de Rabbanon. Why? That the Goyim shouldn't say when he was Catholic, he would never do such a thing. He becomes Jewish. Oh, Jews are, are more, more crazy. Anytime, we, we never have them step down. 
have them more lenient from their previous religion to our religion. So says the Zakein Aaron, there is really Ken Zayner obligation that they should say Kaddish, because think about it. According to many Paiskim, uh, non-Jews are obligated in Kivar Ve'im, even though it's not one of the seven mitzvahs b'nei noyach, because, Rav Yosef Engel and other Paiskim point out, uh, non-Jews are obligated in mitzvah sichli, anything that's rational. The Orach HaShulchan writes, all things that are rational, non-Jews are obligated to keep. Kivra Ve'im is a rational mitzvah, they're obligated to do Kivra Ve'im. So a non-Jew is obligated to do Kivra Ve'im. All of a sudden, he becomes Jewish, he converts, oh, I'm not related to them, I don't have to be mechabed them anymore, that's not, that's not right. So there potentially is a svar that they should, that they have to, but the truth is it's probably not so posher because even uh, Rav Moshe Feinstein says they just have to keep the same level of obligation. A non-Jew, while he's obligated to honor his parent, he doesn't have to do all the details of Kivra Vim like we do. He just has to do that people don't think that he's a jerk, that people don't think that he's a kofwi toif, that uh, he's an ingrate. So he doesn't have to mechabit in every way. Point is like this. The Zakin Aaron writes, Meikar Adin, he could say Kaddish. However, and this is a very interesting psak. the Zakin Aaron writes, and Ravad Yosef quotes this, he says, we have a rule. We don't tell people psakim that are strange. We don't want to give a psak that's mushuna. That even amongst from Yidin, it's like, whoa, what's this guy doing? So says the Zakin Aaron, if he's in a shul that people know he's a convert, then all of a sudden he's going to say, saying Kaddish, and everyone's going to be talking, about what's going on? It's a non-Jew. Who's he? You say Kaddish for a non-Jew. And all of a sudden, in the middle of davening, it, it creates a tumult. So says the Zakin Aaron, if he's in a shul where people know his background, better not to say Kaddish. He said, let him be chazen. Let him say Tehillim. Let him learn Mishnayis. But he says, says the Zakin Aaron, if he's in a shul where no one knows his matziv and he wants to say Kaddish, call a kavod. To be fair, just to end the Shailah, Rav Yaakov Hillel is a very big mekubal, and Israel, he disagrees. He says that the Indian of Kaddish is to elevate that neshama. Neshamas of Jews and non-Jews are different, and he says he doesn't think that it's a good idea. He basically makes it sound like it's not a good idea to, to, to deal with neshamas, uh, stick with what we know. I, I, he's not a fan of it, but the Zakin Aaron says you could, Rav Yosef says you could. So practical halacha, listen, if someone wants to, if it's an area where no one knows who they are, or no one knows their background, they, they, they have what to rely on, especially when you're dealing with chassidish uh, kahilas, where everyone could say Kaddish, and it's not like your Kaddish is taking away from his Kaddish. Now, this is interesting. I mentioned the Kaddish. I'll, I'll mention two other things that I think are interesting. First of all, uh, a misconception. This goes back to the misconception. I might have mentioned this in the misconception. I don't remember. But I've heard this before. There was someone from Hashivenu whose um, sister... Uh, Nebuch, uh, she, she intermarried. And, and she got sick and she passed away. And I remember he called me because during the Shiva, a rabbi from Lakewood came. He never said who, but a rabbi from Lakewood came, knew the family, whatever, came in to the Shiva, and when they were about to daven, told the person from Hashivenu, you shouldn't be saying Kaddish. <laughs> Why? He said that uh, intermarriage is a mice of uh, a terrible sin against halacha. You don't say Kaddish for such a person. Now, first of all, what, <laughs> it's crazy for a lot of reasons. Uh, who would go to a shiva house and, and say such a thing? I, I, I don't know. But the truth is, it's completely false. It's not a new misconception. It's a misconception going back to the Chassam Soifer. The Chassam Soifer writes in Ebenezer Simen Samech Tes that he says, Mashemurgla Bapumya. That which people are saying, there's a rumor. Ein Oymrim Kaddish, 
Achar Rishoyim, that there were certain Rishoyim he was talking about, suicide, but he says that there's this notion that you don't say Kaddish after a Russia. If they're a really big Russia, you don't say Kaddish. He says, says Chassam Seifer, Lo Yadati, Tam Hagen. Chassam Seifer says, I don't know what they're talking about. Because they did, they did Averis, we shouldn't protect them from Gehenim. Uh, by the way, on the contrary, they need it more than anyone else. The whole Indian of Kaddish is to what? It's to elevate them from Gehenim and to bring them into Ganeidin. Why wouldn't you help people? If anything, they need help much more. And says the Chassam Seifer, Vim so they go down, they shouldn't be picked up. So it's interesting. I told you the source of Kaddish is from that Zayar. The truth is, that's the, the creation of Kaddish was from Rav Akiva, that story with the Neshama. The concept of Kaddish, says Chassam Soifer, goes back to the times of Davra Melech. What does the Gemara say? That Avshalom, who rebelled against Davra Melech, right? he went to Gehenim. But says the Gemara, Davra Melech Omer Zayin Pomim Bini, the Gemara says that when Davon Amel said Tehillim in a certain capital, and he says Bini seven times, it's It lifted up Avshalom from seven levels of Gehenna, meaning this was the first Kaddish. This is the first concept of saying something in order to lift up the Neshama, was says Chassam Seifer. The origin of Kaddish stems from that act of Davon Amel. That was Avshalom. You're not going to become a bigger Rasha than Avshalom. And yet Davon Amel still said that form of Kaddish, so he says so. So it says the Chassam Seifer. The Gemara talks about in Chagiga. It's a very fascinating Yerushalmi in Chagiga. I think it's Tazayin, Yudzayin, and Yurches. It's over those three Dafim. That Rav Meir got Acher out. Acher was a terrible Russia. And Rameir still davened for him and helped him and helped his uh, neshama out. So says the Chassam Seifer, I don't know where this is from. I think it's kind of, uh, he says it's made up. There's no makar for it. So I told that person that time when that person said it. I shouldn't say, I said, of course you should say Kaddish. They, they, they need it more. How long you say Kaddish for? That's the major difference. The average person we say 11 months, Rishoim, potentially 12 months. Now, you'd have to ask a Shaila for a Rav to tell you to say it 12 months, right? Just to explain if anyone, Baruch Hashem, doesn't know these concepts because they haven't gone through it, through it. We know that how long do you say Kaddish for? You say it for 11 months. Now, Avelis is 12 months. So why don't you say it for 12 months? Because Mishpat Rishayim B'Gehenim Yudbeis Chodesh, the Gemara says that Rishayim, the longest a person can be in Gehenim is 12 months. So Rishayim go to Gehenim for 12 months. The average person, you hope they don't go to Gehenna for 12 months. They go for 11 months. So for a non-Russia, you say Kaddish 11 months. A Russia gets 12 months. Now, everyone that you're going to say Kaddish for a parent, for a loved one, for a sibling, they only say it 11 months. Why? Because who in their right mind would publicly declare to everybody, I believe that my parent was a Russia, that they need it for 12 months. But that being said, the Chassam Seifer in that tshuva was addressing a person that was a Russia in the Chassam Seifer's Pesach, and the Chassam Seifer said... You should say Kaddish for 12 months. Fine, but you, but you definitely say Kaddish. Now, by the way, just Agav, there's a very interesting Shaila. There's a Machloikas between Rav Kook and Rav Yaakov Hillel. It's an interesting Shaila. And again, I, this, I hope, hope this doesn't freak people out. It is what it is. But, you know, it says that Rishayim can only go to Gehenna for 12 months. It's okay. And that's it. And that's it. By the way, it's a little funny because you're like, so, so the worst Jews, like, I'm not going to pick names, but the, we all know there's really, really bad people, so they didn't got to aid them because it's only been 12 months. Okay, Efshe. So the Shiloh was, they asked Rav Kook the following Shiloh. It's in Shuvah's Das Kayan. In Shuvah's Das Kayan, Rav Kook was asked the following Shiloh. The Shiloh is, you have a person, 
And Rav Yaakov Hillel was asked the same shayla, and that is, you have a person who didn't say Kaddish for a loved one during the Avelos. They were about tshuva, they didn't know how, whatever. And it's ten years later, and they want to know, can I say Kaddish now for a year? Right? I mean, I didn't say Kaddish during the year, can I do it now? So it's an interesting shayla. So Rav Cook writes, he feels that you cannot, because he says, very simply, Rishayim only go to Gehenna for 12 months. If it's way past 12 months, what, what are we doing? Well, why should we proclaim that the person is still in Gehenna, God forbid? So Rav Cook disagrees, and he says, don't say Kaddish. Rav Yaakov Hillel uh, disagrees with Rav Cook, and he explains, he quotes the Arizal, that the Arizal said that the concept of 12 months, that's the max, but who says that it started right away? He said, there are people that are not zaycha that they, they have to wait a little bit. I don't know what this means. Again, we assume every person is right away. It's not something you have to worry about. But says Rav Yaakov Hillel, because there's a possibility that, that it could be ongoing, meaning it's only 12 months, but maybe it's starting now. Maybe it was Siata Deshmaya, that when you found out that you should be saying Kaddish, that you realized you never said Kaddish, maybe now is when his, his time starts. So Rav Yaakov Hillel felt that you should. I guess Machlaikas Rav Yaakov Hillel and Rav Kook. I happen to be, I showed my safer to Ravitcha Meyer Morgenstern, and that was the trooper that he opened up to. And he turned to me and he says, uh, he, he told me, and he, he said, he holds like Rav Yaakov Villa. So, okay, fine. But again, you ask a Shaila. But that's, that's the background of, uh, that's the concept of, again, some of the areas of Kaddish that come up. Okay. So, I want to mention one more Shaila, because uh, we are getting close to the Pesach time period. But it's not really Pesach. It's true, there's a Shaila throughout the year. Uh, this comes up a lot, a fair amount, and that is, you have someone that's at the table, I might have spoken about this in the past, I don't remember, you have someone that's at the table that's not religious, that's not observant, not Shemr Shabbos, is it a problem with wine, having wine at the table? It comes up a lot, I was asked recently, someone said that they, they gave a bottle of wine to someone who wasn't religious, and this is the psaac that the Rav gave them. The Rav told them to take the wine back, which by the way, that's crazy to me, because it's embarrassing, and also, you already gave it to them, and whatever. It, so, what's the, what's the deal, the chalal? So, we know that Chazal forbade wine that was touched by a non-Jew, non-Jew. The Ran, right, it's brought down in the beginning of the Taz in Hilchus Yayanesach, I think it's in Kuf Chaf Gimel in Yeridea, the Taz brings down from the Ran. The Chazal asserted, Chazal forbade wine that was touched by a non-Jew because of intermarriage. That was the main prohibition, it was intermarriage. We're afraid you drink together, you lead to relationships, into marriage. In addition, that's why they asked her drinking the wine that Anandju touched. Then, because there was also a concern of Avodazara, that they might have also, when they touched the wine, had in mind that they would be menasich for Avodazara, they also made the Isser, the wine, Aser Bahana. You now let it benefit from. So the main Isser was intermarriage, and then the, they made it a higher level isser because of concerns of idolatry. Now, here's the deal. It's brought down by the Rajba that someone who's not Shemer Shabbos, someone who does not keep Shabbos, someone who's Mechal Shabbos publicly, that's the terminology, if they touch the wine, it's a problem. Non-Mavushal wine. We'll get to that in a second. Obviously, non-Mavushal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Regular non-Mavushal. We'll get to that in a second. Now, the question is, the Chassam Seifer has a tshuva. The Chassam Seifer says, I don't understand. Uh, the whole concern is either intermarriage or idolatry. Neither applies to a Jew who doesn't keep Shabbos. They don't do idolatry, and they, 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 there is no intermarriage issue. They're Jews. 
So Rav Tzi Pesach Frank in a tshuva answers the Shaila by this. He says, Chazal make their rules. This is how this is how all government works. They make a rule, and it's got to be across the board. You can't make rules and make too many exceptions. It's got to be a loy plug. Chazal felt that when someone desecrates Shabbos publicly, and again, I'll explain in a moment. I mentioned this once. The Rashi in 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 uh, in uh, Hulin, Daf Hey, Rashi explains why was it that when you desecrated Shabbos publicly, you have the status of a non-Jew. Why was it so terrible? So, so Rashi brings down, it's because we rest on Shabbos. We don't think about Shabbos as being connected to idolatry, but it is. Meaning, you rest on Shabbos because God created the world in the first six days and rested on the seventh. If you don't rest on the seventh, it's akin to questioning whether he made the world in the first six. So historically, someone that was mechalul Shabbos publicly, that said, I don't believe in Shabbos, I'm not keeping Shabbos, that was also in the form of questioning whether God created the world. So it was treated in the times of the Gemara, Chazal treated it like a non-Jew. Mechalo Shabbos of Hesed, Dinei Kegai, you have the status of a non-Jew. So says the Sifei Sifei, once you have the status of a guy, we're going to give you the status of a guy, even if it doesn't make sense. Meaning, yes, does it make sense that their wine should be a problem? No, because there's no intermarriage problem, there's no idolatry problem. But you know what? You have the status of a guy, you have the status of a guy. That's it. You're in the, that, that's it. It's like plug. Okay. So what would be the, what would be any possible heterim? So there's basically three possible heterim. Now, this is a broader concept that could be applied to any time you have someone that desecrates Shabbos publicly, the concept that we're strict with them, they have the status of a non-Jew, and it comes up all the time, not counting them for a minion, not giving them an aliyah, all the, all the chumras that you could think of conceivably. There's basically two heterim, and that is, if you go through the categories of Michal Shabbos Befarhesia, that has the status of a non-Jew, not all the people nowadays have that uh, qualification. All right, if you, if you desecrate Shabbos privately, just only in your room. You don't have a status of a non-Jew. It has to be publicly. So what's deemed public? According to the Bala Itter, it has to be done where you work the ground, like winnowing or threshing, because that's really public. If you just drive a car, it wouldn't be enough. Again, it's a debate. You have the sheet of the Chachmas Adam, which Rosh Hashanah used to quote, and that is, if someone desecrates Shabbos publicly, but he's embarrassed to do it in front of a rabbi or in front of a parent, you have this people, I've seen people that when they, there was a person I was with once that he was smoking on Shabbos, and when Rabbi Steinberg was walking towards him, he put the cigarette behind his back, and he said hello, because he was embarrassed. So the Chacham Asadim says he doesn't have the status of a non Why? The very fact that he's not willing to do it in front of, you know, he's, he's a Shemta, he's a little embarrassed, that means that it's not public. You understand that there's a still a little bit, you know, and you go, you go through all the categories, there's other categories, Michal Shabbos, Derabonon, Deraiso, there's other categories. And the other main heter is, and this goes back to the, there's a very famous truva of the Binyan Sion, of, of Etlinger, and it goes down, the Malam El quotes this, and Rav Shafainzin is truvas like this, and that's called Tinnik Shanishba. Tinnik Shanishba means, and again, you have to, it's not a broad, but it applies most of the time, and that is, the reason why someone's Mechal Shabbos publicly has a status of a non-Jew, is because, as I said, it's their way of saying, I don't believe in that God created the world in the first six days. Listen, nowadays, most people that are Mechal Shabbos, if they're not from and they were raised non-from, they, they don't know what Shabbos is. They, it's not, they, they don't, they're not doing it because they don't believe. They have no idea what Shabbos is. They think we're crazy. You know, there, there was a famous tshuva, the Binyan Sian, the Malam the, the, the also I think was the Malam the tshuva about, um, about uh, uh, Vasikin Minyanim. Right? Vasikin Minyanim on Shabbos in America, not all of them, but one of the major... Um, 
uh, the, the sources was that they would um, they would daven early and then go to work. So they're making kiddush, and then they're then they're going to work. Why? Because they were tested with uh, they they didn't want to lose their job. So the so 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 the paiskim say the malamahola writes. See those people you're going to say have the status of a non Jew. They're saying kiddush. They believe they're just not able to be oimah bin nisayin. Basically, if you could get into their rationale and you could explain their actions not in a way that they're fighting God, then you don't have the status of a non-Jew. So I, I think that for most people, most people that are not... I, 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 told, I think I ever mentioned this story once. There was someone who came... Um, she used to be involved in Hashivenu. And she worked for... She and her husband uh, worked for um, LL. They were the security for LL. We still uh, touch base with them. And... My father came over to me. This is when, when the old shul in the, in, the, in the older place, in the basement. My father came over to me and uh, and told me that there's a person coming. He's going to be driving because uh, he wanted to come to shul. He had never really come to shul before. And uh, again, it's the husband of this Elal um, security guard. And we should give him an olia. So I said, fine, okay, give him an olia. Because again, there's heterim, whatever. After the after the, uh, the davening, we were talking to him. He was raised near Ramagan, I think, and he told my father that he was 34 at the time. I think 33, 34. My father was the first religious man, Jew, he had ever spoken to. 33 years old, he said. Other than the Haredim who threw stuff at me in the army, as he said, this is the first conversation with a Haredi I've ever had. So you're going to tell me someone like that. He, he, he knows what Shabbos is. He's literally never spoken. I, he's born and raised in Eretz Yisrael. He, was, he never spoke to a Haredi Jew for the first 34 years of his life until that Shabbos on Main Street. So that's, that's on one... Uh, listen, but I'll, I'll tell you like this. Practically, when it comes to wine, that's uh, someone that's not observant on the table, we still try to be machmer because at the end of the day, first of all, why put yourself in Hushayla? Also, you're now deciding that they're Tinnik Shanishba, why do that? But if there is wine on the table already that's not Mavushal, to take it away quickly in a way that with it, that's not right because you have what to rely on. Maybe it's not L'Chachila, but you also have to make sure not to, not to embarrass people. But the major thing to do, and this is uh, what you mentioned, and that is when Chazal asked wine that was touched by Ananju, they only asked wine that was common at the time. The common wine at the time was non-mevushal. Mevushal wine was not commonly drank, it was not commonly used for idolatry, and therefore it was not bechlal ikzera. Mevushal wine is completely fine. There's no concern of a non-Jew or a non-religious Jew touching mevushal wine. Now, by the way, just agav, uh, there's a machloikis between Ramosha Feinstein and Rishleim Zalman Orbach, and that is, what's the definition of mevushal? Now, sometimes you'll have, you'll see, it'll say mevushal, and sometimes it'll say pasteurized and you'll have an OU, but you won't have the Badat. Let me explain what this is very simple. Ramosha Feinstein held that once I told you that Mavushal wine is not a problem because it was not Bechlal Vigzeira, then as long as the wine or grape product is considered Mavushal, it's fine. So Ramosha says, well, what's considered Mavushal in Halacha? Yad Soledesboy, 
which is between 120 and 160, right? Ramosha holds the 160 degrees is called Yad Soledas boy. That's considered cooking in halacha. If you have a cup of water and on Shabbos morning you heat it up to 175 degrees, according to Ramosha Feinstein, you were Machalal Shabbos. Death penalty. Why? Because you cooked it. I, it didn't get to 212. You don't have to get to 212 to be considered cooking in most areas of halacha, as long as it's called Yad Soledas, which is 170, 175 for sure. That's considered cooking. Pasteurized products is they, in order to get rid of the pathogens, they didn't boil it. It goes to about 180. Pasteurization is at 180, and it's slowly heated to 180, and it kills all the pathogens. By the way, it also kills the alcohol properties, and that's why grape juice doesn't turn to wine. It's because it's pasteurized. So, 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 so says Ramosha, Grape juice or all pasteurized products are considered mavushal. So a guy can touch a pasteurized product. Therefore, grape juice is, all grape juice is pasteurized, to my knowledge. I'm sure someone will even, but to my knowledge, if it's not pasteurized, it'll turn into wine. The only way you could have grape juice that's not pasteurized is if you squeezed it and you drink it before it turns into wine. But if you're buying in the store, it's pasteurized. So according to Moshe Feinstein, all grape juice will be a fine for non-religious, for goyim, it's not going to be a problem. Rishlam Zalman disagrees, and Rav Yashiv disagree. They feel very strongly that, no, to be considered mevushal, it has to be that the wine looks and smells and tastes different so that the guy wouldn't touch it, right? Why is it the guy wouldn't drink it? He says because mevushal looks different, tastes different, smells different. That's 212. That has to be boiled. So Rishlam Zalman held pasteurization does not, is not considered mevushal for the laws of so according to Rosh Hashanah, pasteurize is not enough. It would actually have to be boiled. That's why you'll see, it'll say pasteurize, and it might say non-mavushal OU, but it won't have the badats, because in Eretz Yisrael, they're machmer like Rosh Hashanah, and they feel that to avoid mavushal, it would have to be actually boiled, and pasteurization would not be enough. But again, this is the back of the Shiloh. If someone's not religious... And you have all that heterim, and then you put on the fact that it's pasteurized. Also, you definitely have what to rely on for sure. All right, stop here. Kedem has uh, two great.